English dark heavy fills you up, you know, you're probably feeling pretty good after it too, right? Ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between, welcome back to another episode of the only podcast that matters, Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords, where you talk about your favorite music, and I try to get you drunk doing so. Uh, As always, I'm your host, John Paglosotti, and uh, today we have a very special guest, Sean Perry of The Shakes. How are you, sir? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm I'm stoked to talk about this album today. Uh, this was a cool one. Uh, it's a band I kind of knew, but I had never delved into. Uh, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about uh, one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, it is Disintegration by The Cure. Yes. So cool, dude. This is such a sweet record, and and it's a band that I'm I'm sure listeners of this program are, are kind of like how I was. Like, you probably know a couple songs by The Cure. Uh, but I'm willing to bet you haven't sit down and listened to a, what, hour and 17 minute worth of their music. Um, but guess what? Today we're going to talk about it. Uh, but b- before we do that, uh, we do have to shout out a couple of socials here. Uh, first of all, this podcast is part of the Redefining Records musical ecosystem cult, whatever you want to call it. Um, so check out redefiningrecords.com as well as redefining records on Instagram. Uh, check out our uh, sister podcast, uh, Sounds for Thought by Mr. Andrew Schultze. Um, Sean, you were you were just on Sh- Sounds for Thought, weren't you? I was. I talked to Andrew. That was yeah. a lot of fun. Talked about the new, the new single we have coming out or what well, we had coming out. And uh, yeah, great conversation. Yes. So that, uh, that, that's a great program. And, and if you guys didn't catch that, that's the program where, uh, Sean will be talking about his music and his new single. So definitely check that out. Um, in fact, that's a great segue into our music news segment. So let's talk about some music news. news. All right. Music news. Uh, the news this week is that uh, Mr. Sean's band, The Shakes, have released a new single, Six Feet Below. Yes, uh, I just listened to it myself. Um, it's freaking awesome, dude. I, I love the uh, production on it. Like that kind of, uh, I don't know if it's like double tracked or kind of verbed out uh, acoustic guitar at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. Um, is that you singing too? Yes. So I sing and play guitar. Um, and then we have uh, Cameron Pearson on actual lead guitar we have sid taggle on keys um tanner henderson on bass and levi matulis on drums nice yeah man i was i was really impressed with this single um like i said the production at the beginning uh super interesting effect on the guitar there and then um your vocals of course come in and hit like a freight train they have that uh you know clipped out uh compressed uh fuzzed out kind of sound to them and it's it's such an effective uh punch there over top of the more ethereal uh, instrumentation. And then uh, I especially enjoyed uh, basically that breakdown in the middle 
and then the whole rest of the song out of there you kind of build out of that breakdown into the end of the song i thought that was so cool um i don't know what do you want to talk on that a little bit just i know you probably went in depth on schultz's program but do you want to give a quick little thing about who wrote it or what the the thought was in the studio or just a little backstory yeah yeah no um well this song has been like our baby for like three years three and a half years like we we've ended with this song for the past three like every single set it's always our closing song and it got to be like a favorite of people when they come to shows and they they always ask us like where they can find it and everything and for the longest time it was only on youtube for this like balcony tv session we did like two years ago and it sounds nothing like the recorded version of it um but yeah i mean it was it's we, we just hung on to it for so long and then we finally took it to john joseph uh up in la one of our favorite producers works with like the technicolors uh many trees all things blue like all that scene and um i don't know we we, we love his style of production he's a great guy he's a mad genius uh and we took it to him and he just kind of brought his own world to it his own vision and we couldn't have been happier with like the final final instrumentation oh yeah man it it came out really well i i, I was re- really impressed by it and I can hear the the little bits here and there of kind of Cure influence, or uh, I, I remember you had mentioned you're a Radiohead fan. I, I totally felt that too. Yeah. Um, almost a little like Tame Impala at times too. Like <laughs> I just a just a cool. It was it was cool, man. I I enjoyed this song, and I also uh, on top of that listened to um. It, in fact, it just sort of auto played on on Spotify. I just let it play through, and it gave me the song Somebody. Uh, Somebody, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Um, (laughs) I really enjoyed that song. I thought that was really cool. And I actually heard a ton of cure influence in that one in particular. So, uh, it it was cool. Yeah. That's so funny because somebody was the first song we ever put on Spotify. And then that came off right after you listened to our newest song. So (laughs) you probably heard the differences between the sounds and everything that those two songs have. And yeah, no, we we did somebody in like 2017 with uh, John O'Brien over in Fullerton, um, and he got Francois Comtois of uh, Young the Giant to come and drum on that song. A little fun fact. Oh, wow. So okay. Yeah, I think he I think he did that song in about two takes, and it was like <laughs> perfect. And we're like, yeah, like, yeah, that's that's perfectly fine, man. <laughs> that works. Yeah, that's there. There are a number of stories like that. Like I, I believe uh, on the the beat it guitar solo, you know, from uh, Thriller. Van Halen, uh, right? Eddie, Eddie Van, Halen? Van Halen, and oh, he didn't yeah. want to do it. It was like his manager eventually convinced him to do it, and apparently he walked into the studio with his guitar, didn't even bring an amp, plugged into one of Alan Holdsworth's amps, uh, just plugged right in did one take and then left and <laughs> that's, so that's the solo on beat it like that's come most, on that's man. one of the most rock and roll things i've ever heard like that's oh yeah definition yeah that's cool <laughs> stuff dude but hey um once again if you want to hear more about sean's music which uh i really think you should hear more about it uh go check out schultz's podcast sounds for thought uh you'll check out his episode there and of course what better way to uh learn more about his music than uh just by looking it up go on freaking spotify and look up the shakes uh uh sean what other uh socials do you have plug plug all your socials um you can find us on instagram uh just at the shakes music and then on twitter we're at the shakes music underscore uh we have a youtube channel which we just put the uh, music video for six feet on 
and actually just made a TikTok, which I've been kind of reluctant to do this past year. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's just at the Shakes Music. We haven't posted anything on there yet, but we're going to start doing that. TikTok is big, dude. I am. Um, it's, it's really it's, changing the industry. Yeah, man. I, I am also, uh, I assume you're like me where you're like an older millennial. So you're like not quite like into TikTok, like, like some of the younger ones are, but, uh, yeah, yeah man, that is, that is kind of baffling to me, but it's I huge. Mean, it's, it's not that I don't like TikTok. It's just like, I'm already addicted to so much social media, you know, <laughs> like there, there's just so like first, you know, in high school, there was Facebook and then Snapchat. And then I was addicted to those. And then, you know, Twitter came along, Instagram. And then, I mean, people don't even use Snapchat anymore. But, like, now TikTok's, like, the new thing. And now, like, I don't know. I'm just – I'm always on my phone. And I'm, I think that's just one more thing that's going to add another two hours a day. You know, just, like, me looking down every single second. Yeah, it's brutal, dude. It's the, it's the attention economy is what we live in. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm with you. It's, it's too much for me. It's, it's, it's too, I have too much on my plate already to be adding another social media to try and keep track of. So, but yeah. hey, whatever. It's all good. It's Adapt all cool. Adapt or die. Adapt, Adapt or die. That's that exactly right. That is exactly right. Well, hey, uh, we're not here to talk about your music. We're here to talk about The Cure. Why don't you remind us one more time what album we're talking about? Uh, we're talking about um, one of the greatest albums of all time, in my opinion, Disintegration by The Cure. 1989? Yeah, 1989, Disintegration. Nice. Well, sir, you have hit our first buzzword. Uh, say oh, that something shit. is the best or greatest ever. Uh, it's actually one of the buzzwords. I've already started drinking like as the conversation has been going. So, God, thank God I brought another beer. Yeah, that that's the way to do it, man. I, I think like I mentioned, I, I had poured myself a nice Michelada and had finished it before we even started recording. So I am I am on a roll as well. And then um, I think we, we talked earlier, but I also had mimosas earlier in the day. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just kind of <laughs> keeping the train rolling here. Yeah, it's that SoCal kind of vibe, man. It's been a beautiful day out today, too. Perfect day to just be outside drinking, having fun. And, and you day. know what? It is so hot in my room right now, and there's an AC right next to me, but it's also right next to the microphone. So <laughs> I'm just, you know, just going to power through it here. I love it, dude. That's dedication. Well, hey, for, for people tuning in just for the first time here, uh, the buzzwords portion of Bands, Beers, and Buzzwords, the way this works is I've got a bingo card here of 20 buzzwords. These are uh, words, phrases, tropes, anything uh, that I have specifically tailored uh, for Mr. Sean, as well as uh, for this album here. Basically, if Sean says any of these things, uh, he's going to have to drink. Uh, we do encourage the audience too to uh, crack open a beverage of choice and drink along if you can do so responsibly. Um, do not drink and drive. Do not drink and drive. Absolutely do <laughs> not do that. Um, <laughs> we are not liable for any... Uh, uh injuries or death or jail time or what have you uh we we have enough of that in our personal lives to worry about so um what i'll do is i'll cut right now and i'll cut in and say all of the buzzwords for this week so that you the viewers at home uh will be omniscient you will know what they are you will tell when i am able uh trying to bait sean into saying one uh but sean's not going to know what they are they're going to be a surprise for him so let's cut now this week's buzzwords are Say something is the best or greatest ever Use an onomatopoeia Talk about your middle school music taste Say experimental Recite lyrics Mention a band you used to be in Refer to an album made post-1990 as a record 
use the phrase ahead of its time. Mention pop, name a specific guitar, call something cliche or overused. Say the word drink, say vintage, say goth, talk about jazz, say mainstream, say sad boy, say psychedelic, mention a part of a drum kit, and end a sentence with I don't know. All right. Welcome back, guys. Uh, once again, those are the buzzwords for the week. I'm going to try and bait Sean into saying hopefully all 20 of those. We already got one. I heard uh, that. I heard all of them. <laughs> he he was able to tap in. Sean, <laughs> Sean has access to a time machine. He was able to go forward in time and hear them. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Sean, again, you're talking about uh, the cure disintegration. Um, first things first, why did you choose this album? Uh it was funny because like when we were emailing each other and you were asking me like what album to do, I was kind of going back and forth between a couple and then I decided not to like overthink it and just go with an album that felt like normal to me or just an album that I can just talk casually about and not like, you know, feel any pressure on myself to like look it up or like talk about it. And this is an album that really got me through like a lot of high school during like troubling times and uh the cure i mean like my family was super into radio at a young age so my dad and my mom raised me on bands like you know the who and u2 and like you know the stones the beatles like all that stuff and the cure was really like the first band that i developed a taste for like on my own and they've always kind of had like that that spot in my heart if that makes sense yeah that's rad dude um i love that it's uh it's a great way to describe it. So you you said you picked these guys up somewhat in high school. What what were you listening to like before that, like in middle school? Oh gosh, um, got everything. Like I was like super into like pop punk, um, like growing up. So like Seosin and like Taking Back Sunday and like Fall Out Boy and even like the first two albums of Panic at the Disco. I remember like when I was in sixth and seventh grade. Like that's all I would ever listen to. Um, and then like during high school, uh, I mean, I would, I would fall in love with like bands like Arctic Monkeys, The Strokes, like 1975, Death Cab for Cutie, like, you know, like even like Frank Ocean and just a bunch of like other artists, but like the, the, the Cure was the main, the, the main band I really fell in love with at first. That's rad, dude. I'm, I'm, uh. I, I have a little list squirreled away for when I have to do one of these episodes because Schultz told me one day I will be in the hot seat. Um, and the Strokes' first album is actually on that list of potential albums. I, I is this love it? Is This It. Um, the Arctic Monkeys' first album actually is incredible as well. I love that album too. Um, so I'm all about that. Yeah. When um, I was... Wait, sorry, sorry. When uh, Just funny story. When uh, I actually have a 505 tattoo on my arm um and i got it when i was like really drunk when i was like 19 <laughs> and now looking back at it i regret it so much but uh yeah like people like i'll be in line at like the grocery store like at like a party or something and people will be like oh like is that your area code and i'm like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> not quite uh <laughs> no it's a song that I like. yeah that's awesome <laughs> dude um i will stop you though talk about your middle school music taste and mention <sighs> pop are both buzzwords for you wait mention mention what mention pop mention pop you said pop punk pop, so i'm gonna okay. give it to you <laughs> okay. fair enough um uh, yeah 
I, I'll I'll shoehorn some of these in there. Um, also, earlier, did you did you say the word drink earlier when you said I have to take a drink? Is that did you say that? I I think I've said that like four times. Okay, because say the word drink is also one of them. <laughs> Damn it! I'm I'm drinking along with you here too. Um, why don't you tell the to the listeners at home what what your uh, poison of choice is tonight? I have a uh, tequila soda that is already halfway gone. Um, <laughs> so I think we're like 10 minutes in here. And then I have a beer, a Coors Banquet, just laying. It was just in the fridge. I'm like, you know what? This is probably going to run out. So I might as well get a backup. Yeah. Got to get it. the backup. Smart choice. That's a smart choice. Um, that's wonderful. Well, cool, man. I, I think that's a great uh, intro for the album here in terms of why you picked it and everything. Um, why don't you go through a little bit uh, of like the album itself, like story behind the album? What's the context here? You know, this because this, uh, you know, unlike that Strokes and Arctic Monkeys we were talking about, this is not an early album for The Cure. Mm -hmm. um, this is later for them. So so paint, paint a little picture for us here of of uh, what's going on in the world of the cure and music at the time and and what where where does this album come from? Yeah, well, I think they I think they put out like four albums before disintegration. Um and they were around like in the early 80s, but they didn't really get um commercial success in the US until I think Kiss Me Kiss Me Kiss Me um, which had just like heaven and that was like mm. a hit in the u.s and like the, i think they were pretty big in um in the uk at the time well what's re really interesting is that they've never had a number one hit single in america which i just blows my mind because of how many like timeless songs and timeless albums that they have i mean it's just like the biggest cult following of any band i know but um no, uh, and then uh, Disintegration was, I actually did some research on this, and I was looking at an interview with Robert Smith, the lead singer, who was basically the cure, but uh, the label wanted them to write more of like a pop album so they could, they could start getting more commercial success, and they did that with Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. Uh, and then the next album, <clears throat> Robert Smith said that he always wanted to write his masterpiece before the age of 30. Um, and he felt like he couldn't do that with an, with like a record label pressuring him, you know, into writing hits. So, uh, I mean, it, it, he talked about in this interview about like how some of his heroes, like growing up, like David Bowie, um, David Bowie made low when he was like 29 Ian Curtis of like unknown pleasures at the age of 22. Um, like David Byrne talking in tongues, like all these like just monumental artists wrote their masterpiece for the age of 30. And that was always like his, his go-to. And like, he, he finally did it with disintegration, which is honestly, I think their best album. Yeah. This, uh, this album really impressed me. I kind of like, you know, referenced this earlier, but I, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the cures famous songs, right. Just like heaven and, and things like that. I, you know, and, and uh, Friday, I'm in love and this and that. I, you know, I'm familiar with their famous ones, as I'm sure anybody listening to this program probably is. Um, sitting down and listening to this album, start to finish, multiple times, actually. I, 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 I really poured over this album. I was highly impressed by it, man. 
and and I'm not just saying that because it's the podcast and you have to, you know, it was I was genuinely impressed by this album. Man. Was it, it was, was this was this the first time you ever listened to the album? Sorry, I didn't mean. To yeah, 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 yeah. This like up until now, uh, you know, this week or so that I had been listening to it, I had I had heard, of course, um, a love song. Of course, I had heard. Uh, but other than that, I don't think I had heard any of these songs. Um, this was my first time listening to this whole album all the way through. So, yeah, total kind of casual listener. Um, and, you know, I had enjoyed all of their famous songs that I had heard. I was I was happy to do a Cure album. I thought that was cool. But, yeah, listening to this whole album all the way through, I was really, really impressed, man. Uh, th- this is a cool one. And, and to say that it's uh, their masterpiece, I, I totally believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's funny. Like if you listen to the whole album, you'll notice that I think other than like, I think it's like love song and lullaby. Every song is at least a minute and 30 seconds of instrumentation before Robert Smith comes in and sings. Yes. That was actually one of my notes is like, I, I, I had noted and I, I, again, I misplaced it, but I had literally put a mark next to like, a couple like three four songs where it was literally two and a half minutes <laughs> before yeah. he delivered his first line and i yeah. think you're right if you if you go for like a minute and a half marker it's like damn near every single song but that's uh, yeah like that's what makes them so great you know yeah like they they never really got huge commercial success because a lot of their like their songs you know like radio wants you to have the chorus by what like the 30 second 45 second mark right and for them like i'm looking at the album on Spotify right now and the times next to it. I mean, they have a nine minute, 22 song, like eight, eight minutes. It's 19 seconds, seven minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes. Like it's, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's insane. And that I think that's like their signature sound is, um, you know, like you hear like a Led Zeppelin song and you hear Robert Plant's vocals, like you immediately know, or like John Bonham's like drums or like, mm-hmm. you know, you hear a U2 song and you hear like the edge, you know, with his delay guitar, like you automatically know that. Or even like Michael Jackson's voice. I don't know. But like the cure, their instrumentation and how do they utilize, you know, the chorus pedal and the flanger pedal on like all their songs and their cathedral drums. Like it's just something really magical about it. Yeah, it's incredible, man. And and that's totally the vibe I got too. It, uh, it was really interesting to hear because not only does uh, Robert Smith give the song a lot of room to breathe and he doesn't deliver his vocals until a little ways into the song. Um, I also noticed uh, his vocal delivery style, um, uh, not even necessarily his speaking style, but the the structure rather. Uh, like, you know, if you want to jump into the first song, playing song, great example of it where he, uh, it's about two and a half minutes in, he begins to deliver his vocals and he doesn't do a you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus out. It's, it's, he just, it's just kind of one big verse almost. Yeah. Um, and then he's done. And then there's another like, you know, minute and a half outro. And yeah. that's so cool. He does it on a couple songs on here where there is no, you know, chorus, verse, this, that. It just, he just, hey, here's what I have to say. Uh, I'm going to let this song run and, and go and breathe. And then I'm going to say what I have to say. And then it's done, you know, and that's so cool. It's it's funny you mentioned like the verse chorus verse thing, because like looking at the album, I think Love Song is the only one that has popular song form and every other song is just 
a couple of verses like no catchy choruses no nothing it's just like it's almost like the chorus like you know that that euphoria when the chorus comes in like it, it's all just in the instrumentation yeah you know, in these guitar riffs or you know the the fat bass with like you know the chorus pedal on it or I, I don't know it's 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 truly incredible and like songs like fascination street and disintegration have just these giant like cathedral sounding drums with just decked out in reverb and i don't know it's it's pretty amazing yeah it's it's awesome dude um fascination street 2 was one that stuck out to me as having such cool instrumentation in fact for me there's kind of a stretch well, shoot, now I'm looking at the song, <laughs> the song list here. And I'm like, originally, I I was going to say there's like a, a stretch from Love Song through Fascination Street that like really caught my eye. But looking at all the songs now, I'm kind of like, well, Prayers for Rain was really cool, too. Oh, but so was playing. So I'm like, I can't even decide now that there was like one stretch I particularly liked. But yeah, um, yeah the the instrumentation on it is incredible. Um one little note too I had for uh, pictures of you. So this this album, you know, that the soundscape is uh, it's it's very 1980s, right? In a in a good way, like in a in the, the best pinnacle. possible way. But it's very 1980s. And one little note, uh, pictures of you kind of brought back for me is the uh, the little uh, chimes, right? Yeah. Um, because if, if, you know, a lot of the uh, 80s nostalgia stuff we see now, it's, you know, it would be, okay, you got the fat uh, snare drum, gated reverb on the drums, uh, chorus on your guitars, uh, the Yamaha DX7 synth, this and that. Okay, that's stereotypical 80s. I feel like people forget about the little chimes on the drums. Yeah. That's yeah, 80s no. as fuck. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't think of a band that utilizes the chorus and flanger as well as the cure. And they were, they were like the pioneers of it, like them and the, and the Smiths. But oh, wait, was that a buzzword? Uh, actually, no, I, I really should. I, I actually went light on the uh, other bands on the buzzwords okay. this time. There, you went through a period at the beginning. You were like, oh, Beatles, The Who, Led Zeppelin, this. That. I was like, oh, shit, I didn't put any of those bands. Up. Dang it. Like, <laughs> I thought for sure, like the Smiths or like or the Smiths yeah. or like fucking um, like Joy Division or like like all those like gothic. But um. Yeah, no, I mean, like, they were, they were the true pioneers of, like, that stuff. And, like, it, if you listen to this album in full, it feels like you're walking through, like, a John Hughes movie. Like, you know, 16 Candles or Ferris Bueller's Day Off and, like, all those, like, you know, Breakfast Club. All those just pinnacle, like, 1980s movies. And I, I love it. Yeah. Like a soundtrack um, of your life. I'll say the one you did hit uh, is mentioned goth. You said gothic. So... <laughs> Worse. that's one for you um dude yes it's it is so like stereotypical 1980s but in such a great way like it's not schlocky uh even though it came right out of the heart of the 1980s it does not feel dated per se you know um playing song that one opens up and um my my excuse me my first thought was uh it reminded me of like a beach house song or something you know mm -hmm. yeah uh and even like the final track untitled has that uh kind of organ going like kind of sounds uh it reminded me of um what's that radiohead song um like uh, red wine and sleeping pills um, oh god i don't know my friends are gonna kill me 
<laughs> it's off of uh, i think it's on amnesiac i forget anyways no, that, that's it, sorry, that's my least favorite radiohead album same oh, sorry but i just had to say that but yeah you you just <laughs> lost radiohead cred on this program <laughs> although i'm i also we did an episode on in rainbows and that's uh, me and parker my guest both agreed in rainbows was our favorite and we yeah. so we we lost cred by saying that because i think that's probably their most accessible i also defended pablo honey in that episode so okay. i that's brave. Don't that's brave don't move. don't worry about your Radiohead cred on here, man. We we accept all comers. <laughs> so so what would you say then? Like what what do you think? Uh, we, we can do this however you want. If you want to go song by song and say a little something about each, or you just want to like talk on your favorite couple of tracks, however you want to do it. Like what what's your favorite track on the album? Oh, that's tough. I'd have to say Lullaby. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember. Like in elementary school, I mean, I, I know that my dad, I, I said that like my parents didn't influence like The Cure at all, but like I remember my dad had their greatest, greatest hits album in, their, in his car, like the CD. And the opening riff to Lullaby really always stuck with me. And um, my freshman year, I, I, I broke my arm in high school and I was put in this 90 degree cast. And I learned it was like a perfect opportunity to learn how to play guitar because my left arm was in the perfect position to like play like chords on the neck and stuff <laughs> and, and whatever. And so I just kind of used that opportunity. And uh, I remember the first song I ever looked up on Ultimate Guitar Tabs was Lullaby. And that's wow. always been like one of my go to like sleeping songs. And um, but yeah, I'd say I'd say Lullaby or. I remember the first time listening to like Fascination Street too, and just the overpowering drums and that bass line, yes. and that, that really had an influence on like my early like songwriting process. I mean, like this this whole album did, but like that song really like stuck with me. And um, another one that where the vocals don't come in for like two minutes. Yeah, but. yeah. Fascination Street is such a cool one. I if I had to choose, I think I'd agree with you. Maybe lullaby is my favorite as well. Um, it has such an interesting vibe, uh, compared to the rest of the album. It's, it's a little more dry. It's a little more in your face. It has those kind of, uh, like pizzicato strings going on and, and, uh, uh, Robert Smith's vocal delivery on that one is so unique. Like he, he, he likes to do that kind of like whispering kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, that breathy. Exactly. He, he, he does that on quite a few songs, but I think it's just so uh, prominent on this one. And so, uh, it, it's such a unique one. It it reminds me of like a Tim Burton film. Like, yeah, I, I imagine myself as like Victor from like corpse bride or something when I'm listening to that song. Like I just, it kind of puts you in this thing. And then, uh, sorry, I'm like looking at my notes right here and I actually wrote down this little fun fact that um, Robert Smith was actually asked to do the soundtrack of a Tim Burton movie. The, the <laughs> I, think, I, th- I think it was Edward Scissorhands. Um, but he turned it down because, I mean, he's Robert Smith. He doesn't, he doesn't he's too cool that. for that. Yeah. Well, he, he kind of has like a Tim Burton like look to him, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if like he used his like hairstyle and like his their whole presence for like making Edward Scissorhands like come to yeah, life. Yeah, like Johnny you know? Depp was probably looking at pictures of Robert Smith, right? Yeah, definitely. That, like, with, with the yeah. hair and the makeup and everything. Yeah. That's so cool, dude. Um, I was going to say too, yeah, you mentioned the, the baseline on Fascination Street that uh, jumped right out at me. That uh, nice kind of bright uh, top end on top of that base and um, 
you know, really in your face. Uh, it, it's, you know, really prominent in the mix. It reminded me of a bass you might hear in uh, some 80s, like uh, metal or something, like a Def Leppard yeah. record or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it was really cool to hear that uh, really forward uh, bass tone. Like, it's it's something you'd hear in maybe hair metal, but here it is in a Cure song. I love that. I thought that was so cool that they made that decision. And uh, it yeah. totally makes that song, too. I, I love that. I think it's so cool. Yeah, and definitely, definitely one of my favorites on that. And like you said, you said to mention a song that you don't like. Um, like as this album as a whole, um, first of all, like I love this, like your podcast, because like as musicians, like living in a singles market, it's really cool for like to see people break down albums. Like I think that's a lost art in the music industry. And like if you listen to this album, like you don't you don't really stop you just keep going, you know, like there, there's not a lot of songs you can really pick and choose from. It's like, it's like you, you play plain song all the way down to untitled and that's it. And like the song that I skipped the most, I would probably say prayers for rain. And I know you mentioned that earlier, but um, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. It doesn't do a lot for me, I should say as, as much as the other songs do. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. It, it does open with that big, like thunderclap, which, uh, I, I kind of liked it when I first heard it, but it, you know, upon revisiting it, it is a little bit like, that's maybe the moment of schlock on the album. Like that's the moment of like, all right. It's it's like the, the song says rain in it and you have a big thunderclap. It's like a little bit on the nose. I, I kind of feel that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of funny. Um, especially again coming off of like the uh, lullaby fascination street like one two punch uh a little hard to follow that up i'd say for yeah. sure yeah and i i don't know like they've they've just with this album like they just they, they've inspired so many artists nowadays like i think they're really unappreciated in that aspect you know like bands like like i don't know like like 1975 should i say or like you know uh turnover maybe but they were like they were the pioneers of creating um like euphoric melodies and you know just this beautiful instrumentation that makes you feel like you know you're just falling down a rainbow but if you take a deeper look into the lyrics they're depressing as fuck dude like they're like you like you break down the lyrics of like disintegration and you'll fall down like an entire wormhole of depression but like you you wouldn't think about that like listening to it at first um yeah <laughs> yeah it's i think and i i think you're absolutely right cuz the the soundscapes are so you're right they're they're very euphoric and they're they're good at creating a a like sonic landscape you know there's so many sounds but they're balanced so well and all of them serve the song uh, and then, yeah, Robert Smith's lyrics are so depressing. I, I think probably that's the the best connection to uh, the Smiths, you know, like the Smiths uh, were a little more guitar centric, uh, yeah. a little less synthy, but uh, still have the same thing where, you know, Johnny Mars uh, guitar playing was so uh, bubbly and, and poppy and bright. And, and then uh, Morrissey's lyrics are so dark, you know, and, and uh, it's, you know, 
And I love that. I love the Smiths too. They're, they're uh, funny enough. I, when I was younger, like when, when you were going through your cure phase, I was going through my Smiths phase. So I, yeah. I, <laughs> I can and identify I, with you there. <laughs> I think it's like, there are, you know, like cure fans and they're like Smith fans and they're like, kind of like split up. And there's always been like, kind of like that argument of like, who was like the better band um, of that era. But I, I like, I, I think we're seeing a resurgence of, or a resurgence, like a, I don't know. I like, like a reincarnation of that in today's music with artists like, 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 like Phoebe Bridgers, should I say, yeah. you know, that's, I mean, a, a lot of her songs are depressing, but you know, like songs like, you know, motion sickness that have just these like great melodies and instrumentation. And then if you take a deeper dive in the lyrics, like it's fucking sad, you know, or like, I don't know, like, like Gabriella or what's her name? The new Rodrigo. Uh, olivia rodrigo oh uh yeah olivia rodrigo yeah 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 yeah. and like a lot of her music and i don't know like even bands like paramore too like a lot of those like early like pop punk bands you can hear a lot of um inspiration from here and there for sure yeah absolutely and and uh yeah phoebe bridgers absolutely yeah you can hear that or or um like phoebe bridgers i i uh (laughs) i had heard of her and then when she smashed her guitar on on Saturday Night Live and, and like a bunch yeah. of people got mad, I was like, I'm going to listen to Phoebe Bridgers now. Like, oh, I thought that was yeah. so cool of her. And uh, like David Crosby was like all mad at her. I was like, fuck, fuck you, David, David Crosby. Crosby. <laughs> I'm going to I am going to listen to Phoebe. I put out on my Instagram story. I was like, hey, uh, what Phoebe Bridgers album should I listen to? Like, like, you know, babies first phoebe bridgers tell me and so i listened to a stranger in the alps and uh actually had to stop i uh (laughs) i actually got like eh, maybe i got a solid like three quarters of the way through that album and had to turn it off because it was so depressing (laughs) yeah yeah but i mean like like her her lyrics and her her voice are just so like they they really hit you man like i oh yeah I, i have so much respect for her and everything that she's doing for guitar music and, and rock. And it's, it's, it's really cool to see a person of her caliber and, you know, just like empowerment, like, like getting to that level and then, you know, putting on rock music and guitar music. And it's, it's slowly starting to become a lost art, you know, with today with, you know, a lot of like pop, pop and, you know, hip hop, like taking over the charts and stuff. But Yep. Or like uh, I was at the beach earlier and my my friends I was with are big country fans. They had on some of the country hits and I'm hearing like 808 drum machine in the back of a country song. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? You you give me a country song with 808 and they're talking about (sighs) like drinking a warm beer or like sitting by the lake. Like I just I can't I can't do that. And the thing is, like, I love country, but I just I can't do like the 808 like trap pack country song. I just I don't know. This I I am a huge country fan. If you're talking like, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Like Roy Buchanan and and uh, fucking uh, uh, Hank Williams Senior. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, old Johnny Cash shit or or um. And you ever like, hear like Roscoe Holcomb or? Uh, uh, no. Oh, that's a cool one. You should check out Roscoe Holcomb. Uh, he does the song uh, "Man of Constant Sorrow." It's an old hymn, actually. "Man of Constant mm-hmm. Sorrow," and uh, he Roscoe Holcomb. He does this uh, acapella, uh, "Man of Constant Sorrow." It, it'll hit you right in the in the gut, man. It's mm-hmm. it. Save it for a real. It just 
good, like really wholesome, good music. Yeah. And then you hear a country with 808s and you're like, oh my God, what's happened? Oh, it's yeah. horrible. Like, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Like there's, there's some great country artists out there now, like, like Chris Stapleton and like all those guys, but I don't know. And like, I, I appreciate all different types of music, you know, like everything from like washer machine metal, like just noise rock to, yeah. you know, pop to country to even like jazz there are are, are few songs that when you play it that i'm like no like turn this shit off you know (laughs) yeah uh gonna hit you talk about jazz is one of the buzzwords Mm. (laughs) yeah how did we get from the cure to like country music and jazz (laughs) good question uh we're actually starting a uh cure country band uh we're gonna cover cure songs in the country style we're gonna call it actually the country or no no that's that's dumb the 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 cure the cure and tree <laughs> um here's a question have you heard that uh that reggae cover of love song uh yes especially what, what do you think about that especially living in southern california i hear that every yes. time <laughs> every time i go like down to like second street in long beach like there is some bar playing that song there you go. I was going to say, yeah, probably every time I go out, I've definitely heard that song in freaking uh, Baja Sharkies, a couple different. Yeah. Like, Santos uh, tacos. Like there you that. go. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm I'm like not proud to say this, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty confident that I have heard the reggae cover of Love Song more times than I have heard <laughs> the actual original version of Love Song. <laughs> is that is that 311 or who 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 does the reggae cover of that? I actually don't know. That's a great question um listeners go ahead and call in uh the lines are open right now if you'd like to call in right now and tell us uh who did the reggae cover of uh love song by the cure uh you can call in now the lines are open the common saints oh wait no is it i'm gonna play through my headphones right now no it's not it yeah yeah it is 311 fuck (laughs) i fucking got dude oh my god Hell yeah. yeah. Here's here's the thing. Like the first time I heard that, I was like so angry. I was like, fuck this song. Fuck this cover. Fuck this. But like, it's grown on me. Like, I gotta say, if you're going to do a reggae cover of Love Song, they did the best possible reggae cover of Love Song. Yeah. I mean, like, especially living in like Orange County, like, like 311, like Amber. Amber was also a song that was played in every single like Baja Sharkies or like every single bar, you know, like, like going yep. to like honey, like, like Edison or like at honey beach high school, like, like every kid had that on their playlist. Yup. There you go, dude. Edison <laughs> Huntington beach high school, the Oilers, baby. Uh, we fucking played them in football. Fuck. We're getting orange County up in this bitch. high school. <laughs> no. High school was terrible, but anyways. <laughs> yeah yeah dude i'm i came to a really cool realization today that i'm like like as i get older and older i'm becoming happier and happier which is such a cool thing i don't know um and nothing brings that down more than listening to disintegration by the cure (laughs) there you go yeah if you need a little reality check um um so dude you were on a great uh spiel there about their lyrics and how depressing some of the lyrics could be uh, in comparison to the soundscape what like if you could pick like you know one lyric or a couple lyrics that really stick with you off this album what 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 are the most like poignant lyrics to you 
Uh, I mean, there's uh, the ending of Untitled. I don't don't judge me on that. Okay, wait. Um, I think it's like that. Now the time has gone, and another time undone. Hopelessly fighting with devil futility, feeling the monster climb deep inside of me, and like. Just, like, the way that he interprets, like, his mind state and just, you know, being him and, like, coming from, you know, addiction and um, all the other troublesome things that's happened in his life. Like, he just, he portrays it in such a way where you're just, like, mind blown every time you hear it. And a lot of the songs, like, you know, like, the the washed out guitars or the drums and they're, they're all kind of, like, soaking up the lyrics. So you, you can't really, like, pinpoint it very well. You know, so it, it's it's and that's the thing I love about it is that you're like, oh, wait, I love this song. I, you know, I, I love his voice. I'm going to go look at the lyrics. And then you go to like, you know, Genius and you look up, you know, Plain Song by The Cure and you're like, oh, like this isn't this isn't what I thought the song would be at all. <laughs> but then but yeah. then you, you learn to love it. And, you know, like, a lot of like bands like that, like um, like and like I know the 1975 do that great. Like like Matt Healy's lyrics are so you know just depressing and like suicidal and like like makes you want to kill but like the instrumentation is fucking beautiful and it's 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 incredible i don't know why yeah. i keep referencing them but i don't know That's all right it's all right um i was gonna say recite lyrics is one of the buzzwords i heard you just cracked a beer yeah, so cheers I for you <laughs> um what was i gonna say oh shoot um had something i wanted to say oh yes the the vocal mix um yes that was something i noticed because um i was listening to if you type in disintegration on spotify the first one that comes up is the 2010 remaster and that's the one i was listening to and like a little of the way through i kind of noticed like yeah I, i can't hear robert smith's vocals that well and i almost wonder like if the excuse me, or I was wondering like, well, I wonder if there's like a different mix of this or a different master of it that, you know, maybe the, the vocals are a little more present, but it sounds like that was actually more of an artistic choice is to leave his vocals a little under mix. That's the point. Yeah. That's, that's like the whole, whole thing that he was, I mean, I, I'd like to think that's what, I mean, he's a fucking genius. If he thinks that, you know, people in 30 years are going to go and look up on the internet, like what the, what the lyrics are, but (laughs) Yeah, I I would like to think that was the point they were trying to make across. Yeah, that's rad. Uh, do you ever listen to um, the Stone Roses? I don't. I've heard so much about them, but I've never gotten into them at all. You should check out the Stone Roses, man. They if you're down for kind of the uh, big ethereal, like if you like the sound of Fascination Street and you like the undermixed vocals and similar song structure, uh, but it's like more of a positive vibe and a little more like dancey uh it's like proto lcd sound system almost not quite but like almost um but like early 90s um uk uh it's like before there was like a big electronic music scene if you were a hooligan who wanted to do ecstasy and dance you would go see stone (laughs) roses like You you can see how it sort of grows out of the cure into Stone Roses into you know you see the progression here. You should check out Stone Roses. They're one of yeah. my favorite bands of all time. Yeah, I, I just saved their page on Spotify. I'll make sure to give them a listen after this. 
Yeah, they're super interesting. They're a, a lot of parallels to the cure, but like more positive vibe. Yeah. 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 And like I'm I'm a sucker for like you know, like lyrics like that. And and like even like when I take it to like my writing bill, I mean like even like growing up, I mean I was listening to like depressing like fucking city in color and just just songs that but like I I don't know, I I find happiness in those those types of um those in the type type of lyrical structure because I don't know. It makes me feel like I'm not the only one that feels like this, you know, or like other people are going through it too. And just the way that like Robert Smith portrayed that in his entire discography is, is incredible. And um, sorry, I forgot where I was going. That's all good. No, I, I totally feel that man. I, it's like, you feel like uh, somebody understands you, you know, it's, I, 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 like I said, man, I, I went through my Smith's phase. I'm a big Radiohead guy. Uh, I went through a big phase of like Pink Floyd, but you know, Pink Floyd, the wall, if you've ever listened to the wall as a concept album, it's very kind of sad, depressing, lonely shit um i i got deep into that a lot when i was kind of middle school hey it's i i feel it man I, I i feel it it's like why does listening to depressing music while you're depressed kind of make you feel better what is that uh and i think you're right i think it has to do with like you know i'm not the only one you know you feel so lonely but then you hear somebody else say the exact same thing and you're like oh okay yeah. well there's somebody else out there okay okay yeah it's, God, it's and cool. you know what? If Robert Smith heard us talking about this, he'd probably fucking hate us <laughs> for, for dissecting Always. this because he's just, you know, he, he's, he's, he's probably just wrote it down. He's like, yeah, mate, like, that's how I feel like all the time. Like, you know, you're not special. <laughs> Screw you. That's funny. Is he is he like that kind of guy? I don't know much about Robert Smith. If if you wanted to go on a little like you had mentioned, he struggled with addiction and stuff. I I literally know nothing about Robert Smith, but uh, except his name and that he was the singer and uh, guitar player for The Cure. I, what yeah, you want to give mean, a quick little he, quick quick bio? Yeah, he pretty much is The Cure. Like kind of like how Kevin Parker is Tim and Paula. I mean they've they've been through yeah. like twenty members I think throughout. 30 years um and like as i was researching i came across his like hall of fame rock and roll hall of fame acceptance speech and i think it was like three minutes <laughs> and like and like like you go to the related videos and it's like like st- like the police or like sting and it's like a 13 minute video oh God, or like of course <laughs> you know or, or like you go to fucking um like, like even like led zeppelin like you know like they're just going on these like long like oh my god thank you so much and then Robert Smith is just like, oh, like, thanks to the fans. Like, we love you, like, forever. All right, later. <laughs> just, just like one of those guys. But um, it kicks ass that fucking 75% of the songs on this album are longer than his acceptance speech. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, but, like, I think all but one are longer than his acceptance yeah. speech. But, like, I, I respect it, though, because, I mean, he just, he lets his music do the talking. You know, he doesn't, he's, he, he's, I mean, I don't, I don't know the first thing about him, but I mean, he seems like a pretty reclusive guy and kind of keeps to himself. But I mean, he obviously knows the impact that they, that he's made on music nowadays. And, you know, just to, just to be at that level is just unimaginable. I don't know. Um, but as far as like addictions, I didn't really do a lot of research in that. I just know that he was struggling a lot before this album. Um, Cause when they were doing, 
uh, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, they were under um, a lot of pressure from their record label to put out a hit because they were on this like deal where, you know, I, I think they were coming to the end of their record deal and like the, the label was like, if you don't give us a hit, like we're going to drop you. So they did that and they, they did just like heaven. And then after that, Robert Smith was like, fuck everybody. Like, <laughs> screw you guys. I'm going to make my masterpiece. And he did with disintegration. And, you know, it, it turned out that that album with their single, which was love song, which is three minutes, 30 seconds like that. This album ended up being the most sold album they've ever written. And then Pictures of You was the second single, and it's like seven minutes long. So I mean, yeah, he, he just doesn't doesn't care. But <laughs> I mean, he's just he's he's in it for the long run. I mean, he's just you know he's just totally against you know the the whole popular you know how do you say it? like the 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 music industry standard of a band. He was just like you know we're gonna do our own like, thing like the ma- the mainstream. Yeah definitely like, like so he, he's against the mainstream yeah w- would you yeah. say that mainstream <laughs> yes all right say mainstream is one of the most <laughs> oh i fucking knew it i'm gonna get, a, I have to get another beer here Damn. hit yeah hit it hit it i'm about to finish this one okay so so going back to like the singles um and stuff like and talking about like how you know you you guys want to do you know break down these albums and it's 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 such a great idea and like like when you when i first came across your your podcast and i was thinking about albums to do i'm like what what a better album to do than an album that doesn't have like a a a niche single or like like a typical single song i mean i guess like love song is but i mean songs like picture of you pictures of you which is like arguably their most popular song outside of friday i'm in love i mean it's like we've been saying i mean it's seven minutes and 30 seconds so yeah it's like the the most unlike singles album ever it's it's the most album album yeah yeah that's actually such a great point um because I've had I've had guests in the past where they struggled somewhat to pick an album. And uh, I like I've had people come on and straight up say, like, I picked this album because these, you know, four songs kick ass and the rest of them I don't give a shit about. But we're going to talk about it. Wound up being a great episode anyways, but yeah. eh, a little bit against the point of what the podcast is still made a great episode. So who cares? But. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, this album, you mentioned earlier, like uh, you, you put this album on and you don't stop. Um, that's so right. Like it, it um, in listening to this album, um, I put it on, I, I commute uh, an hour each way every day. Mm-hmm. So I, I do a two hour commute every day. And then I have, of course, an hour lunch, most of which I spend in my car. So <laughs> almost three hours a day, I get to listen to music. And putting this album on um it was so easy to just hit play yeah. and just go you know it was very little uh picking up my phone to navigate and do this that it just you could just hit play and just listen to the damn thing yeah which is so good and i love that about an album that's i'm i i think i say it in every episode but i personally really appreciate an album 
uh, that's put together with some thought and it, it's, you know, meant to be listened to as a piece of music start to finish. I love that. Yeah. And like, you know, nowadays, you know, you see artists and bands releasing albums and before they drop the album, I mean, they'll put out, you know, like six singles mm-hmm. in order to do that, which is like, it's, I mean, that's just the way it is now. And that's like acceptable. But I mean, like back then, you know, 1989, like bands, I mean, the, the typical format was like you drop two singles maybe three singles and then the album you know so like i think bands and artists focused more on like you know the 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 structure of an album and placing songs in certain points to where the listener could be like okay yeah this transition is nice because now you have you know streaming so i mean kid if you're you know a 15 year old kid you know, you're on streaming, you just pick through songs. You don't listen to the album in full anymore. And I think that's really been taken away with us, you know, with like vinyl and like CDs slowly degrading or like, you know, we're not really using those as much anymore at all. Right. Right. It's, it's, yeah, it is a whole art form and it's, it's something that I, I miss too. It's like, I love putting on a record and having, uh, you know, side A and side B and, and it, to an extent you have to do almost two miniature albums on the one record because they're side A and a side B. So you have to kind of conclude side A in a certain way and then flip it over for side B and start again to an extent, you know, and, and then, uh, you have this big, uh, you know, fold out, uh, LP, like the, the, the cardboard cover, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you get, uh, whatever album art you have, is big it's like 12 inches by 12 inches right and it's this big piece you get to examine it you get to look at it and open it up you can have lyrics or photographs or whatever you want in there like it's a it's a whole kind of multimedia art experience and it's wild to think that like you know (laughs) a multimedia uh uh you know visual written and music experience was like the normal way people experienced music for like decades like holy shit man if i could get all of my fans to do a visual written and listen to my music experience for everything i released like holy shit that would be so fucking cool like i have so much to say and so much to give you along with my music my last album i did i did a deluxe version quote-unquote deluxe version where i included all these photographs and lyrics chords to the songs a little dissertation on the concept of the album this and that it was this whole fucking thing that i poured my heart and soul into and i think i sent it to about a half dozen people <laughs> you know it's like god <laughs> damn it just i wish you just like i it's like here this is yours take it that's just take the it. way like, it is now man <laughs> like it's we've lost physical music as yeah. you know but like like my niece came over and she's like six years old and she was like she went up to my records and she, I mean, she's she has no idea what it is. So I mean, she she pulls it out and she's like, "What's this?" Like I don't know. Like 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 what? And I'm like, "That's music, right there." And then she just gives me the most confused look. She's like, "Wait, this?" <laughs> and yeah. And then I had to put it like on the record player to like show her. Like yeah, like the, each individual line on this on this disc right here is a song. And she just she couldn't believe it. And like ki- kids growing up will never you know, be able to, I mean, I not never be able to, cause I mean, you can still get, it's, I feel like we're talking like records are obsolete now, but I mean, there's still, there's still a lot of people that still listen to vinyl, but you know, just like, like kids growing up in the streaming world where, you know, they, they don't have the chance to 
go to you know a record store like you know target and get like a cd and put it in their car and listen to it for the first time you know it's just it's at the grasp of our hands now on spotify and apple music yeah. and, and all that stuff which is great i mean it's it's awesome for you know smaller bands like us because you know, you can definitely reach a larger audience online now because I mean, everybody has Instagram and Twitter and you know Spotify now, and it's a lot. It's a lot easier to find newer bands. Yeah, that's true. It's it's um yeah. In terms of like accessibility of the music, I totally support the uh you know digital medium. Uh, it, it's great. Um, it's just looking at some of the practices of people like Spotify who. I love Spotify. If you're listening, Spotify, I love you. You're amazing. I published this shit on Spotify. So. Pay me, Spotify. <laughs> pay me. Pay me my fucking ten tenths of a cent, please, Spotify. But you know, Spot you know what Spotify does, man. I don't know. I don't know if everybody knows about this. You can look this shit up. This was in Rolling Stone. Like this is real. This is not just conspiracy shit, but uh fucking Spotify. What they'll do on their uh big playlist. So, you know, you, you go on Spotify, they have like a, you know. Uh, study time playlist or whatever right like they they advertise certain playlists here's our study playlist right and fucking every college kid in america listen to that fucking thing uh what they'll do is they put you know obviously they put certain artists on there and it's pay to play you know as it, as it always has been you know fucking 1950s you go flip a guy a couple bucks to put your fucking 45 on the thing and play it on there it's always been that way okay fine whatever uh, but fucking what they'll do, fucking Spotify, they will go to some motherfucker uh, out in like Sweden or some shit and be like, hey, man, you want to uh, write us like 10 songs that are in like this style? And the guy goes, yeah. And they they pay him a one time fee. And then Spotify makes up fake band names like they invent fake bands no and then put. Yep. And then they put these songs at the top of their fucking study time playlist like they just invent a fake band and a fake song. It's like a real song, but it's like fake, you know, and they put it on the playlist so they don't have to pay a guy like me or you like real royalties to use the song on the stupid playlist. They just make a fake fucking band and they just pay some fucker a one time fee and they just put the song on there. And it's like, man, me and you like our fucking songs on Spotify. We get like fucking yeah, like a fraction of a penny for every it's goddamn yeah. listen. You, It's fraction, nothing. A fraction is an understatement. Yeah, it's literally nothing that we get. But even that is too much for motherfucking Spotify. Spotify thinks that that is too much money. Okay, so you, they go. You, you know what, Spotify, I love you. Thank you for this podcast. But fuck you, and that yeah. is so fucking ridiculous that um they. I mean, I first of all, I want to be that guy in Sweden. I want to be like the guy that Spotify comes to and is like, hey, like make these lo-fi beats to study to i'm like okay cool but like yeah fine. really like like you don't want to pay these artists like fractions of a penny if a half penny to do that yeah. like that's ridiculous sorry you, you can edit that part out <laughs> yeah i mean i i don't i don't think spotify's gonna care <laughs> i mean, fuck spotify i my next album my next album okay i was gonna make this my next album but then i like accidentally started writing a different album so this different album is going to be my next album. But the album after this album, I'm going to go in hard on Spotify. Like I'm going to attack Spotify. It's going to be a whole fucking thing. Anyways, that's <laughs> further down the road. Um, <laughs> and then I'm going to publish it on Spotify. It's going to be great. Go. Um, what were we talking about? We were talking about The Cure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what? 
what kind of guitar does Robert Smith play? Oh, he plays like wait, I'm gonna have to look it up. I think he's I think they're a fender band. I from what I've heard, I think you're right. Uh oh, a Schechter. Oh yeah. Schechter. Custom oh, Schechter. So he plays he plays a custom Schechter and an American uh jazz master. Oh interesting. And jazz jazz master does not surprise me at all. That's like the you know, the fucking go to eighties bands. Yeah, that and the Jaguar. I actually have a Johnny Marr signature Jaguar. Oh, you do? Yeah. And, Dude, that's sick. And I uh like it it, it came with like a or the it, if I would have bought it at you know new a new price i mean it, it had like the johnny marr signature on like the headstock and it had like a white pick guard but i found this guy on um on reverb that was selling one and he put a gold pick guard on it and he scratched out the signature so it just looks like a regular like fucking <laughs> sick jaguar and i'm like yes it's exactly what i would want it i wanted to do to it and i've had it since like i want to say like five years now going on that one of my favorite guitars that's sick um mention a specific guitar is one of the buzzwords ah <laughs> got it fucker but bro is that a uh wait so is it the green one and it has the gold pickguard is that no, what it is no it's 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 all it the 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 body is white um oh it's but the, white and gold. yeah it's sick and oh, then it actually so cool. it has some wear on it and with some wear and tear so it's not like uh what do you call it a relic yeah like like okay. it, it has actual like i like, like to call real relicking yeah i like to call them like little love stains but like yeah. the 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 white is kind of wearing off and it's like becoming like a, a pinkish color where my arm rests and it looks really Interesting. like it's, it's my baby i love it so much yeah you know some of those finishes will do weird things like um if you ever look at an old uh like a 56 Les paul when they were still doing the gold top i guess they've always done the gold top but back before they had the sunburst you know the old gold top Les pauls um you know where the the wear happens and oxygen starts hitting those gold flakes uh it turns like kind of green oh, it turns wow. like kind of a greenish blue so some of the old like yeah it has to be like a 52 through 56 last paul you know when they were doing the old gold top uh some of those things you see they have like green or blue on them like because that that's just how the air reacted with because they had literal metal flakes in there to make it look gold mm. and it starts to oxidize in a certain way it becomes like green it's just an interesting you know you know some of those finishes just do weird things but that's part of the fun you know yeah, yeah especially those like vintage ones and like i there are like a lot of people investing in like older guitars because in 20 years they're going to like like triple their profits if they ever decide to sell it like old old Les Pauls are now going for like like a 19 like a, a real 1960s Les Paul I mean some of them go for like $20,000. Yeah, well, I mean, if you, if, I mean, if you can find a, a fifty nine Les Paul Sunburst with the PAF pickups and shit, I mean, that you're you're gonna spend, uh, you know, half a million bucks on that thing, like Jesus. straight up, yeah, yeah like straight up, five hundred, five hundred Gs, bit. yeah. Well, I mean, a six. No, you're actually right. Those a sixties Les Paul, like say mid sixties Les Paul, they're less desirable than the fifty nine, but still probably as much as a new car. Yeah, like twenty, thirty, forty, fifty grand. Yeah, for sure, so absolutely. Crazy. You you were actually right, but uh, <laughs> specifically the nineteen fifty nine year is like the year. That's the one you want, and it yeah. is five hundred thousand dollars. You know, Jesus, like it's insane. So, um, 
ridiculous to me, but uh, you know, I don't know. Um, but you're so right, man. There's something about a guitar that's been well used and well played. I have an Epiphone Les Paul. I, I don't have a Gibson Les Paul. I have an Epiphone okay. Les Paul that I have. Um, like, like, you know, like, uh, like, Air, like, what's the name? Uh, Erza Koenig from um, Vampire Weekend. Like, like his style of guitar. You know what we're talking about? Uh, I haven't seen his guitar. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, 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 is it like a, like it kind of looks like a three three five Gibson. Oh no! I uh, I I need to get me a three thirty five. I re- that's maybe next on my list is a three thirty five. Yeah. I really need to get me a three thirty five. But I have a it's a it's a Les Paul like it's a Les Paul, but it's the Epiphone Les Paul. Oh okay. Um, okay. But I've upgraded some uh, pickups, electronics. I build guitars. I I fuck with my guitars endlessly, and um, this thing has been through so many gigs. It's got blood spilled. A guy broke his tooth on the headstock of this fucking oh, that's thing, fucking and badass. Yeah, there's just a certain mojo to this guitar because even though it's a cheap guitar, it's been fucking used. It's been out there. It's been played. It's been recorded. It's on my old band's record. It's uh, it's just it's been out there, and uh, I've sat down with guys who are like gibson aficionados and they pick up this guitar and they're like well shit this is kind of a cool guitar like you know i have this fucking eight thousand dollar gibson which is like way better but also this weird little epiphone kind of i kind of weirdly like it i don't know it just there's something to be said for having been out there and been played and been used and it has a story to tell you know and i feel like you play better on guitars like that too you know like yeah um like yeah, I don't know. Like like people going out and spending like five thousand dollars on like let's say like a Fender Jazzmaster or something that's like been used and stuff. And it's like, dude, you can upgrade any guitar you get and make it sound like a ten thousand dollar guitar. You know. That's right. Can't do that that's with right. a car though. So just buy a guitar rather than you know your nineteen ninety seven Forerunner. <laughs> like what I do all the time. <laughs> yep. I I totally agree with you, man. I I built a Tele. My most recent build was that. Yeah, my most recent build was a Tele. I spent about six hundred bucks on this Tele build, and I uh, sat down. Buddy of mine built a Tele. Uh, he had it built for him at a professional luthier. Super nice guitar, like very cool. Tons of cool features. About twenty eight hundred bucks is what he was willing to admit he paid for that thing. Uh, and him and I sat down and had a little shootout just for fun, right? I was like, well, let's see, like let's compare the budget build to the no holds barred spare, you know, like the 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 fucking gnarly build. And so we played it. I think he owned that guitar for about 72 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Cameron, Cameron, uh, our, uh, the, our guitar player, he, him and his dad built, uh, a jazz master, like Nels Klein model from Wilco. Oh um, yeah. It's oh like yeah. An, it's like an all black with like P nineties on it. It's a fucking monster and it sounds incredible. And they, and they, they built it together and it's, it's his baby. He's got some wear and tear on there. It's an incredible sounding guitar, and he he runs it through a um a JC one twenty, like vintage. I think it's like an eighties model too. So he's, yeah, he's definitely got the the gear for that. Sounds incredible. Yeah, that's that eighties tone, baby. That that uh, rolling jazz chorus. That shit. Fucking yeah. that's cool. Um, dude, Nels Klein, man. You you uh you ever you know that song Impossible Germany? Yes, favorite okay. local song. Yeah, me too. By me far. too. Just just had to bring it up. Not nothing in particular to say Dude. about it. Just had to just had to like point that out. That's a fucking Cameron, incredible guitar solo. Cameron is the biggest 
Wilco fan. I think he's out in the living room right now. I might even just get him to come in here and talk about it. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh no, he um yeah, he's he's been like his his dad was like a huge Wilco fan in the nineties and then Cameron like adopted all that and he he really turned me on to them and we were actually supposed to go see them at the Wiltern this past year, but um oh, COVID yeah. COVID came and that was a real bummer. So I'm definitely gonna have to go and see them after everything starts to get back to normal yeah dude the will turn is a wonderful venue i you know i i saw metallica at the will turn no way i saw metallica at the will turn oh shit yeah i must uh they were it was fucking insane i saw metallica at the will turn flea came out and played bass on like two or three songs and then uh four days later i went and saw metallica at uh the k-rock weenie roast at the verizon amphitheater out here Um, okay yeah 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 beautiful fucking beautiful metallica they they fucking go man metallica they're a great fucking band and put on an amazing live performance how old are they now they must be in their like 60s right Fifty, late fifties, uh, yeah. maybe. Pro- yeah, probably fifties or sixties. They're they've got to be going. getting up there. They're still they're going, still going they? man. They still kick ass, man. They still get up there and fucking send it, man. They they are uh, they're up there. They're moving around on stage. They're giving a full fucking performance, man. You you get your money's worth when you go see Metallica these days, man. It's it's I can tell you. Well, I mean, I haven't seen them since probably like two thousand eight, some yeah. shit like that. But uh, you know. At least when I saw them, they were putting on a great fucking show. They did a really good job, man. They, they, yeah. yeah. I've, I've never been a huge Metallica fan, but they're definitely one of my, um, my bucket list to go see live because everybody who's ever seen them has always told me that, um, they're just absolutely incredible. Yeah, I'd highly recommend it. I'm not a huge metal guy myself either, but Metallica fucking goes, dude um i you know funny enough i i'm trying to get this guy i'm I'm trying to get him on the pod right now i've talked back and forth with him a number of times trying to get him on the pod uh to talk about metallica he wants to talk about why saint anger is actually the best metallica record are are you familiar with saint anger and that whole controversy no i i honestly i'm gonna be honest i can't name you a single metallica record but i know it's it's it it's it's kind of like how you know, like, you know, the Cure songs, the big songs, yeah. like, that's, that's yeah. how I feel about Metallica. Like, I know, okay. you know, like, Enter Sandman and, you know, like, all that, like, you know, crazy shit, but I've, I've yeah. never done, like, a deep dive with them. Fair, fair enough. Hey, that's fair enough. Well, uh, mention Enter Sandman is actually one of the buzzers. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say there's no <laughs> fucking way. <laughs> I got real lucky with that one. Huh? <laughs> um, fucking a. Okay. Uh, do you want to do the trivia section? Okay. Let's do the trivia section. It's time for trivia. Okay. Um, so some of these trivia questions you have like already answered in your whole deal here. So I'm just going to try and give you the ones that I don't think you have mentioned. Okay. Are these, are these the cure questions? These are cure. These are cure trivia. Okay. I went easy on you. Sometimes I give uh, like geography, like I'll do like band, band, band. What is the capital of Vermont? And then people fuck up. <laughs> I have not done that to you here. I could um, not name you the capital of Vermont. I'll tell you that. Much. It's, it's Montpelier. Okay. <laughs> I know it because I hit the last person with it. Maybe I will. Actually, I'm going to. Okay. I have one geography question for you. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to get you on one. Okay. 
because you've done you've already answered like half these I, you're i'm throwing out half of your questions because you've already answered them okay okay question one what year did this album come out 1989 bingo that's all you got Just next kidding. one's a little harder okay. <laughs> where was this album recorded could not tell you uh i i don't like abbey road i i don't know not quite sir that's gonna be a drink for you the answer is hookend studios where is that in england or where is that uh, i think so it's it seems like an england type name oh Hook yeah End. um sorry by the way all the listeners um this is an english band i don't think we've established that they're they're fully british from they are yes we we i feel like have like kind of referenced that like sideways style but i don't think we directly said that that's yeah. right um next question what is the album certified at in the united states uh gold double platinum double pl- Wow, I've they fucking did it. Hey, why did I say gold? Like I, I always get those mixed I, up. Well, I have okay. I'm gonna be totally honest with you. I have no idea what gold, platinum. I think is I think, is, is I have gold no idea what that means. Is gold a million or is that is it five hundred thousand? I, I, I have no idea. I would have said it could be it could be like ten thousand. I have no idea. I, I literally said have platinum zero. in like the UK maybe, but double platinum in the US. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I I literally do not know what those mean. I just find this information on Wikipedia. Um, next question: What is the capital of Montana? Oh, oh, I grew up in Washington. Really? Um, I did. Yes. Uh, what's the Olympia? Olympia, Washington. Yes. Olympia, is that Washington. correct? Okay. Montana. Um, so that's oh, that's uh, two states over, right? Yeah, it's next of of. Uh, Helena, Idaho. Helena, 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 right? You're right. Yes. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Hey, yes. you fucking got it. Yes. You got the hard one. That's the hard one. The geography <laughs> one is always the hard one. You got I it. Only, I right. only know Helena. that because in fifth grade, I did a project on Helen or I did a project on Montana. Like we all drew like, like names out of a hat of like states and we had to do a project. on it. So that's where I remember. Really? <laughs> that's tight, dude. Fuck yeah. Um. Next question. Which member of the band was fired after recording was finished? Which, okay, which member though? Because there's been, there's been 20 of them. Okay. So there, okay, yes, you're right. So there was one dude in particular who was like recording with them right now. I'll say this. Well, no, that's too, that's going to narrow it down too much. There was a guy in the band at this time who had been like he was a founding member of the band okay and he was like recording with them like he his his work is on this album but they cut his ass like before the mixing process even began like he he laid down his parts and they were so fucking through with this guy that they kicked his ass out was it was it tolhurst yep lol tolhurst mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. yep okay. lol tol lol lol tolhurst okay keyboard yeah. player yep yeah, because I know right. like like uh like Coral Thompson has been in and out of the band and like I remember Andy Anderson was only on like the top in nineteen eighty four, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he he was like addicted to drugs and or like some pretty heavy shit. 
and Robert Smith, so yeah. he was like holding them back from um yeah. doing anything. And and what I had read is even just his like alcohol, like just his drinking. Uh, you know, he he struggled with I guess a lot of things, but it was like in particular the guys in the band, at least what they were willing to mention, you know, maybe they use this as a as a euphemism, who knows, but they said like he was constantly just drunk at their recording sessions and and apparently like it got to the point where the other band members told robert smith like you're you're either gonna fire mr tolhurst or the rest of us are gonna fucking quit on you and apparently like like okay he he was like okay next time we're all together i'm gonna fucking do it and like the that day like that fucking moment when it was gonna happen he showed up drunk and it was just like a fuck it was just like yeah you're fucking out dude like you you proved you proved the point right here that you're fucking you're out you're out goodbye did he get credits on this album he did okay he did but here's the thing they gave him a super petty little uh he's credited as like 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 instruments or something like they gave him some like (laughs) fucked up little like (laughs) yeah like they didn't say like keyboards it was like I- instruments or so like it was some like fucked up little like <laughs> most robert smith thing that could possibly happen that's so funny yeah of course well damn dude you uh crushed that trivia section um the next section i have for you is the uh is the um kind of uh you know just fucking fast-paced questions they're uh just say whatever comes to mind these are the these are the fun ones okay here so give me like a a a ballpark of like what these questions is it just like random things i just have to say first thing that comes to my head it's a mix of it's related to the album and some of it's absolutely not related to the album so okay uh, so if yeah. i get it wrong do you have to drink oh no these are not there's no there's no correct answer for these okay. i just I, it's just this is the drunkest we will ever be on air together and i want to ask you some questions okay <laughs> okay how should someone listen to this album for the first time? Um, in their bed with AirPods in with uh, a glass of wine. Hell yeah. Have you ever listened but, to this but, album? So, on sorry, the- sorry. If you're if you're under 21, um, a Mountain Dew. There you go. Love it. <laughs> uh, should probably preface this next one. You can plead the fifth. Have you ever listened to this album on drugs? Yes. If which we drugs? count weed as a drug, which yeah. living federally, in, that's a living drug. in California. I mean, it's legal now. So no, I, I smoke weed and listen to the cure yet. Hell yeah. Uh, what drugs do you think they were on when they made this album? Uh, Robert Smith was actually on LSD when he was first writing um, disintegration. That is a fact. Hell yeah. That, that's a historical fact right there. That's not even a hypothetical one. Love it. If this album were a beer, what kind of beer would it be? Oh, God. It would have to be an IPA because it's dark, right? Yes. So maybe like like a Lagunitas? Ooh, maybe. Yeah, I like, I like Lagunitas. Uh, but like that's like, uh, I don't know. What would your answer be for that? For this one, it would have to be, yeah, I would say like a complex kind of IPA. Like it would have to be like maybe an Elysian space dust because there's a lot going on there. Um, a Lagunitas is a great choice too. Yeah. I, I Everything I've tried, anytime Lagunitas releases something new, I try it. You Fucking know what? Hands down, I just try it. 
It would be a black Guinness. That's what it would be. There you go. Just English, like, dark, English, heavy. dark, heavy, fills you up. You know, you're probably feeling pretty good after it, too, right? That's right. There you go. You're either feeling really good or you're feeling very depressed. But either way, those were both <laughs> the intended outcome. <laughs> I love it. Uh, would you get intimate to this album? Uh, yes, 100 percent. Pictures Have of you, you gotten. Come on. I mean, <laughs> I mean, no, n- I'm not going to say because that's uh, fine. My girlfriend is probably listening and, you know, you don't have to say, I don't know. You don't have to say <laughs> that's fine. You can believe the fifth on that. Um, are numbers created by humans or are they innate to nature and discovered by humans? Wait, say the question again. Are numbers uh, invented by humans or are they something that is innate to nature and discovered by humans? I got to think that it was developed by humans because I could be wrong on this, but aren't numbers like it doesn't that come from like Latin? Right. So like one, two, well, three, there's four, no, five. there's no, there's no right or wrong answer here. Okay. That our current system, like the number one and the number two and the number three, like the way that shit looks was developed. Uh, those are Arabic actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, the system of counting the base 10 number system. I actually don't know who invented base 10. I know that, um, for instance, in ancient Mesopotamia, they used a base 60 system, which we still use today in time and uh, measuring circles. That's why we have uh, 360 degrees in a circle, 60 minutes in an hour. That is a Mesopotamian thing. Base 60 was their uh, thing. We today use a base 10. Um, but what do you think? Like, so, I mean, right off the bat, right there, there's a base 10 versus a base 60. And funny enough, we have a parallel system where in some ways we use a base 10, in some ways we use a base 60. Uh, is that because in nature, both those things exist or is it because us as humans just invented that shit what do you think i'm gonna say humans because you know if you're you know at like if you're one of the first humans like to ever i mean i don't know how far numbers go back this is a loaded question by the way but like as far as humans go back there had to be two apples in your hands and you had to like take a bite out of the first one right Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm going to eat the first apple and then the second apple I'm going to save for later. So that's one and two right there. Right? Yeah. There's no right answer. Okay. This is, yeah. this is a total, yeah, it's, I, I, I've, I've asked this to every single person who's been on this program. So I have a lot of thoughts in my head about how this works. Cause I've heard a lot of different stances on what, this. Oh, okay. So what have other people been saying about like, are they all like humans or are they just, you know, it's just, I've had, kind of you know, there. I've had, I've had incredibly intelligent, like STEM majors, guys way smarter than I am. Uh, like go totally in and be like, they are so obviously invented by humans, bro. Okay. They're so up and then go off on that why. makes them and then another. But here's the thing. Then the next episode, another STEM major, incredibly intelligent dude, way smarter than I am, will be like, bro, they are so obviously inherent to nature. How could you not see this? Let me explain. Yeah, and like it's like I've had incredibly intelligent people 
talk see, at length about both stances on this. <laughs> see, like I, I went to continuation school, so don't. If you're listening to this right now, like I have no idea. So <laughs> listen to the STEM That's majors. Fine. Uh, I I would listen to the STEM well, majors. The STEM but, majors don't know either. But they, like human, I said, <laughs> humans make most sense to me because I mean it's 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 language, right? Like it's just, yeah. you know, I don't know. See, I, I, I tend to agree with you and I'm a, I'm a global studies major. So I didn't, I, I don't think I, I took maybe one math class in my whole college career. So I'm not a huge math guy, but to me, it seems like it's invented. Okay. But the one thing I haven't been able to get over my old drummer from my old band, he's a uh, physics major. He does optical physics. He's going for his doctorate. Very smart guy. Um, and one thing that he brought up that I have not been able to refute is he brought up the concept of ratios. Okay. So like pi, right? Pi has to do with the relationship between the radius of a circle and the diameter of that circle. 3.14, no right? Exactly. It's a gotcha. ratio. And so no matter how big or small that circle is, 3.14 is always going to be that, you know, how many times can you fit the radius around the diameter is 3.14 times, roughly. Um, So he brought up like the concept of ratios and was like, no matter how big or small that circle is, that ratio is going to be the same. And that is proof that numbers are inherent to the universe and we just discover them. Wow. And I was like, fuck, that's yeah. a great fucking point. I really don't know how to refute that. Yeah. There are some, because I personally trend more towards it's just made up. We just fucking made it up. We just made it up because you have a base 60 or you have a base 10. It doesn't yeah. fucking matter. We just made it up. We use both currently here in the United States in 2021. We use a base 10 and a base 60. The fuck is that? We use metric. We use inch. We use it. <laughs> Back in college, one of my favorite like troll things in college is when I was drunk at a party, I would find a STEM major and explain to them why Imperial is better than metric. Okay. And about half the time, they would be like, fuck, I can't refute you. <laughs> and it would just be like, <laughs> because look, the truth is metric is better than Imperial. But if you know how to fucking finesse it, yeah. you can make it sound like Imperial is better than metric. It's all just because here's the thing. Cause it's all just bullshit. Yeah. What <laughs> we is, just made what it all anything, up, you know, like we're, what just, is anything, you know, we, right. we're just floating specks through the universe and we're, we're, we're on vacation is how I like to think of life is that, you know, this, this planet's been here for billions of years and we're on it for about 80, I think. Yeah. So we're just, we're just taking a little vacation through you know, space of time. I only got up to geometry in high school, so I can't, I can't <laughs> give you a STEM major um, analysis on that, but humans make the most sense to me, like how numbers were invented, because, I mean, language in general was created by humans, right? Or, I mean, human language was created by humans. That's Squirrel true. language was created by squirrels. Oh, that's such a good point. So like, you know, like, (laughs) I don't know, man. Like, does a squirrel count how many acorns they have, you know, tucked away? That's a great question. I actually was doing some research lately. Uh, Squirrels are capable of tracking 10,000, 10,000 different locations where they have stowed acorns. 
Wow. Can you believe that shit? That's incredible. Can, what? What? What What are you capable of reciting that goes out to 10,000? I can't oh. recite 10,000 of anything. I can't. I don't know. I, 10,000 10, of any. I don't know 10,000 of anything. Like, I feel like this conversation is kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg, you know? That's exactly right. Yes. I think that's you hit all the nail on the head. That's like, exactly what this question thing. is. There is no right answer. It is yeah. just a fucking... Like I said, we are the drunkest that we will ever get on air together, and I wanted to ask you this question. <laughs> I'm 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 here for it, and you know, <laughs> yeah, that is so great. All right, uh, next question: okay. Does a man with one lung get more high or less high off of a single bong rip? More high. How come? Uh, less oxygen coming in. So, oh wait. <sighs> I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is I, one yeah. disclaimer. This is one we could probably find the correct answer to. I have declined to find the correct answer. This one to me is also a phys- philosophical one with no correct answer. As of well, now, you could probably medically find the right answer, but I have I not mean, done from that. from like a nicotine high, like for smoking so many years, you probably wish you would have that second lung back. Right. So, you know. I don't know. Is it? I'm like, <laughs> is it like heard, you know, if you can you run faster on one leg? You know, is is it is it kind of like in that same space? I'm, I'm sure it's not at all. But like, is it the same thing with like lungs? Like your lung capacity? I mean, obviously, it's not as strong if you only have one lung. Well, what I've heard because what I've heard from different people. So some people say you get more high because it's like all the smoke is in one lung. So it's like a higher concentration. Right. Okay. Yeah. But then other people say you get less high because there are fewer, uh, you know, uh, like receptors. Right. Available to take up the THC. But then I had one guy came on and say you would get exactly as high as you would with two lungs hmm. because the fucking you only have one lung. You only have this many receptors, but it's a higher concentration. So it balances out. and You just get equally as high. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's a mind blower right there. I kind of like that theory. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like going back to school, I mean, I only got up to biology and <laughs> in science so you're asking me all these scientific (laughs) questions and i'm like fuck dude i only went to continuation school like i don't hey it's these are all these are all just bullshit questions nobody knows the answer to these i would your answer is equally as valid as anyone else on this program i'd like to think that you could get high with one more high with one lung because you deserve it you know there you go you you that's good enough for me you lose a lung like that sucks dude like do you Go out and get high, you know? You're like going to you, get more high. Fuck yeah. I like that. Hey, that's a good answer. That's what I mean, man. The, nobody on this program is, like, every fucking answer is valid. And if you can justify it by the fact that you lost a lung means you get more high because you deserve it, that's a fucking valid answer. Man. Yeah. I like that answer. There you go. Um, Final question. Does a straw have one hole or two holes? This is a tough one. <laughs> I know we just talked about like the beginning of human existence, but this mm. one is tough. This is harder than that. Is it a bendy straw? I don't know why that would make a difference, but maybe. 
you know, I'll be honest with you. The straw I had envisioned was just a straight straw. But okay. if you have something to say about a bendy straw, I'd like to hear it. Okay. I'm going to say one hole. Right? Because... I agree with you. But I want to hear why. Because... Oh, okay. So if you go down... Okay, I'm going to relate it to a tunnel, right? Yes. So if you go through like a sewer tunnel, there's just, it's just one tunnel, right? You don't take, you're not in two tunnels, you're in one tunnel. Right. Or like if you're in one of those like Chuck E. Cheese, like bounce or Chuck E. Cheese, like playhouse areas, like you go through the tunnel, it's just, it's just one. So with a straw, it's the same structure. So it's just, it's got to be one hole. There are two two circles, <laughs> maybe that it goes I, through. I agree with cool. you. I don't know. I agree with you, and here's why I agree with you. Because if it was two holes, really, it would have to be an infinite number of holes because it's a cylinder. Yeah. So if you define the holes as those two planes, well, there's an infinite number of planes between those two points. Yeah. So it's physically impossible for it to have two holes. The, the real choice is whether it's one continuous hole or an infinite number of holes. So I agree with you. I think it's just one hole. Now, if we had a straw that was cut in half, then you would have two holes, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know. would because you just created two holes. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty I'm 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 pretty drunk and I'm just kind of, you know, going off of it. I, I feel like we're at like you know, a social event, like a bar right now. And we're just having one of those random conversations, you know, like you go up to someone, you start just talking like random shit. So I'm going to say one hole, um, because I'm going to relate it to, uh, like, like a sewer or like, you know, a drainage hole, because if you walk through it, you just walk through one drainage hole, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you. I think and you're right. And if, if you got shrunk down to like Ant-Man size, you walk through a straw, that's just one hole that you have to walk through. Yeah. I agree with you, dude. Bam. Bam. Well, dude, <laughs> that's it, man. That, those are the questions for tonight. I think you fucking crushed it. Um, do you want to hear what your buzzwords were? Yes, I would love to know. I didn't hit many. I did not hit as many as I thought I would. You hit, like, a decent amount. Okay, so your buzzwords for this week were uh, say that something is the best or greatest ever. You hit that. Use an onomatopoeia you did not use. Mm. Uh, talk about your middle school music taste you hit. Say experimental you did not hit. Mm. Uh, recite lyrics you hit. Uh, mention a band you used to be in you did not hit. Mm. I've only uh, been in one band my entire life. The Shakes. There you go, dude. That's, That's actually it. tight. Good for you. Um, refer to an album made post 1990 as a record you did not do. Uh, use the phrase ahead of its time you did not do. Mention pop. That. That's a good one, though. All right. <laughs> um, mention pop you got. Uh, name a specific guitar you got. Uh, call something cliche or overused you did not use. Uh, say the word drink you got. Say vintage you did not get. Say goth you got. Uh, talk about jazz you got. Say mainstream you got. Say sad boy you did not get. Okay. Uh, say psychedelic you did not get. Mention a part of a drum kit you did not get. And end a sentence with I don't know you did not get. You Good would. Job, dude. Oh, wait. What was the drum one again? 
because we talked about the drums a lot i feel like uh, n- name a specific part of a drum kit okay because like i think i i related it to like like church drums like very like open but i, I didn't name a specific part of the kit so yeah that's the thing you because that's the thing you did talk about the drums a lot but you never said like the snare or the bass drum or this or that so good on you man that makes sense okay hell yeah <laughs> nice dude well that's it man that's all i got for you here uh any final words about the record um i mean if it's your first time and like you know the cure but you've never really gotten into them i would strongly suggest taking one night out of the week to just kind of get in your feels and you know just like get into your vulnerable state and put this on because um i mean the the reason why i chose it was because it's it's full of like every emotion you could possibly imagine i mean it's filled with happiness and sadness depression and you know you like a euphoric feeling almost um and there's not really a bad song on it so i would i would suggest strongly suggest listening to this album because it it for the most part changed my my musical taste for the for the good for god i don't know (laughs) (laughs) just slurring my words at this point now yeah that's how it tends to go at this point in the evening so (laughs) but i love it dude i i thought this was a great fucking album i thought you gave it a great uh great review here man um dude great episode i think that's it for tonight uh once again guys be sure to check out uh the shakes new single uh six feet below uh on spotify or anywhere else music is streamed or sold um We'll see you guys in two weeks, man. Who knows what the next episode is going to be. Dang. Uh, Have a good night, everybody. Finding Records production. 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 production